to sing that verse again. Just, just a sec. Can, can I, can I get into the word really quick, real fast? I feel the Lord leading me somewhere, but just hang right here. I know this is maybe not its plan, but I want to jump into the word that God has for us, the word that He's going to use today to speak to our hearts. Let me just say, it's a narrative of Scripture that I'll read, and then we'll come back to later in the message. However, it's a narrative of Scripture that. God is going to use to establish the foundation of the conversation that we're having today. It's Psalms chapter 92. Psalms chapter 92 is a psalm that is written and it's, it's, it's called, it's called a psalm of, of thanksgiving. In fact, if you were to look it up in your Bibles at the top of that psalm, it may be, it may say a psalm of of thanksgiving, or it may say a a psalm for the Sabbath. In other words, it was a song, James, that was written to be sung on the Sabbath to, to reflect upon the goodness of God. It's an anthem where we just hang out in his presence and, and, and we just wait upon the goodness of God to fall down. It's one of those Sunday kind of songs. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those Sunday kind of songs. And I will call upon his name. Oh, my Lord. Listen. Listen to those words. Sing it again, D. And I will call upon your name And keep my My eyes eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you chapter 92 says it says it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name O most high hold on a second it is good to give thanks to the Lord how many of you know in this place that God deserves a praise of thanksgiving Somebody give God a thanksgiving kind of praise. If God has been good to you, if he's ever met you at your problem and gave you broke through, if he's ever opened up a door for you, if he's ever healed you, if he's ever poured out grace upon you, if he's ever met you in that dry and thirsty land and he gave you water to drink, give him a shout of praise up in this place. Let me speak to the online community. Wherever you're at, all around the world, it is crazy how God has blessed us through our internet campus with people all over the world who tune in at different times. But here's the deal. Wherever you are today, whether you're at home, work, wherever you're at, make that place a place of thanksgiving. Before I read any further, let me just... Let me just give to you the title of today's message. Look at your neighbor and say, lean in. Lean in. Look at your other neighbor and lean their way and say, lean in. lean in. 
I'm going to let you be seated just because you've been standing up a long time. And if I got an amen for that, I'm just telling you. I, I, I'm just telling you. I saw you. He's talking about, he's talking about amen. Amen. <laughs> Listen, you, you just stay on the edge of your seat because I believe you're going to be back up. So, the title of this message is Lean In. There, lean In is a, a, a cultural phrase that's used quite often today. It actually means to grab every opportunity without hesitation. Somebody say lean in. To grab every opportunity without hesitation. In fact... Uh, a lady by the name of Cheryl Sandberg, she wrote a book called Lean In five or six years ago. And I read something this week, a quote from her that I think is, is, is pertinent to where we're going. Here's the quote. It says, we hold ourselves back in ways, both big and small, by lacking self-confidence, by not raising our hands, and by pulling back when we should be leaning in. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, lean in. So the more that I reflected upon the concept of leaning in and seizing every opportunity without hesitation, when I begin to think about this quote, James, my mind goes to Psalms chapter 92 because what the psalmist is really saying is to lean into God with a heart of thanksgiving. And when we lean into God with a heart of thanksgiving, incredible things begin to happen. In fact, let me continue to read. Here's what Psalms chapter 92 verses 2 and following says. It says, so to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and when all of the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on a high forevermore. You, Lord, are on high forevermore. Grab this. I'm reading this in the New King James Version. It's not a translation that I normally use, but I, I think it gives to us the best image. It goes on to say, For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Watch. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. If you want to be a wild ox, raise your hand. I noticed that no ladies raised a hand on that deal. And I get that. But listen, you have to understand what that means. That's kind of funny, you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what it means in a few minutes. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Here's the psalmist writing this song like, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Remember that. I'm going to come back to it in a second. My eye also has seen my de desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall bear fruit even in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. But Darren, it's verse 10. It's verse 10 that says, But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Hold on a second. Then he says, 
I have been anointed with fresh oil. It's this statement that you have to grab hold to today. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Some of your Bibles say that that you've been anointed, that your head has been anointed with the most expensive oil. I need you to think back to biblical days for a minute because when the anointer would anoint the, the, the person who was being anointed, the subject, if you will, the, the oil was so costly that they would not want to waste it. And so the anointer would actually take the oil and pour it in their hands. Then they would ask the subject to lean in. And when the subject would lean in, they would then begin to open up their hands and spill the oil upon their heads. It signified that God was with you, that God was for you, that God would never leave you nor forsake you, that you were the chosen one to do what you're about to do. Here the psalmist is writing, Richard, that when we begin to give God a thanksgiving kind of praise, that God himself opens up his hands and he pours out an anointing upon us that empowers us to do what he's called us to do. Listen, when you have a heart of thanksgiving and you connect with the heart of God, even when you don't feel like it and you're not sure about what tomorrow holds, but yet you connect with God, God anoints you. He empowers you. He enables you to overcome what it is that's coming against you. Could it be, could it be, could it be that when I begin to praise God with thanksgiving, that it enables me to extinguish anxiety in my mind? That when my heart connects with God's heart, when thanksgiving is coursing through my veins, that it extinguishes anxiety in my mind. Before I get my preach on, let me set this thing up. Thank you guys, you're awesome. Let me set this up. Several weeks ago, God, I had had a plan. You keep playing for me, D. That's so awesome, D. But I had this thought that I was starting a new series, was planning the new series, was working on the new series. It was time to start a new series. We had finished up two series as we started the year off. And and so we were getting ready to go into this next series. But I felt God lead me to Mark chapter 4. And as he led me to Mark chapter 4, I I, I did what I thought was a one-day event called Say It Again. Somebody say, Say It Again. If you've been here for the last few weeks, you realize that that one-day event turned into a two-day event. If you were here last week, it became a three-day event. And today, it becomes a four-day event. Because God, this week, as I was preparing to start a new series, God took me right back to Mark chapter 4 and said, I'm not done with this. And so today, I want to revisit Mark chapter 4. Really, it's the last time that we will go through this narrative for not this series, this mini-series. In fact, this is not... The part four of this series, say it again, it's part 1D because it's one message preached over four different intervals here. So as we read Mark chapter four for the last time, as we take a look at what Mark's gospel is telling us, let me just get it on my phone because I'm, I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. After I read this, I want to revisit a thought that I gave you last week very briefly. I want to expound upon that thought because I only touched upon it very very briefly. And today I want to expound upon 
that concept because I want to give you another tool for your spiritual toolbox. Is that all right? So let me read for you Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4. I don't know why that update thing always comes up. I need to update it, I guess. That would go away at that point in time. Here we go. Here's what it says. Mark chapter 4 in the message. It says, he went back to teaching by the sea. A crowd built up to such a great size that he had to get into an offshore boat using the boat as a pulpit. As the people pushed to the water's edge, he taught by using stories, many stories. He said, listen, what do you make of this? He said, a farmer planted the seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some of it fell in the gravel and it sprouted up quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds, and nothing came of it. Some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest, exceeding his wildest dreams. Hold on a second. If you'll remember, here we have Jesus talking about a harvest. And some of your Bibles call this the parable of the soil. Some of your Bibles call it the parable of the sower. But here's the concept. You need to understand the quantity of the harvest is not determined by the quality of the seed. God's seed, his word is always good. The quantity of the harvest is determined by the quality of the soil. The soil determines the outcome. Are you with me? It's the soil of your heart, that that position of faith that determines the outcome. And so many times the soil of our heart becomes infertile because of what we think is the happenings of life. But let me tell you something. The soil of your heart is not infertile because of what's happening to you in life. It's because what you're telling yourself about what is happening to you in life. So Jesus asked this rhetorical question in verse 9, and here's what he says. He says, are you listening to this? He's telling this to to the disciples. Are you listening? Are you really listening to this? What Jesus was showing us is that he knows that what we listen to determines the productivity of the seed. And so he's he's like, I'm going to say it again. The disciples are like, yeah, 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 say it again. I'm going to say it again, but this time I'm going to say it with a little different emphasis. So here's what he says in verses 13 and following. He says, he continued, do you see how this story works? All of my stories work this way. The farmer plants the word. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches it away, what has been planted in them. Now, come on. How many of you know that that's sometimes what happens? We get a word on Sunday and we're like, ah, got a word. And then Monday happens and that word seems to be gone. How many of you know what I'm saying? Hold on a second. Let me keep going. It says, verses 16 and 17, and some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. Mm. Verses 18 and 19. He says, the seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news. Hold on a second. We've heard the news of of God's kingdom, but yet are overwhelmed with worries about all things. Someone say worries. About all things, the things they have to do, all the things they have to get. 
the stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. The anxiety strangles what they've heard and nothing comes of it. Look, he says, and the worries about all the things. The word worries in, in the Greek, in the original language, is the word merimneo. Merimneo means to have anxiety. This is where we left off last week. If you'll remember, Peter said to cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He's talking about ripping that anxiety off of your shoulders and throwing it onto the shoulders of Jesus. It's the Greek word epiripto. It means to rip off. It means to hurl. It means to throw away. Then the apostle Paul took it to a whole nother level when he said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. He's telling us this is how you rip that anxiety off of your shoulders because your shoulders were not meant to carry the burdens of this world. Your shoulders were not meant to carry the stress. Your central nervous system was not meant to carry all of the problems of this world. There's only one set of shoulders that are meant to carry those problems and those are the shoulders of Jesus Christ because he's the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. He overcame death, hell, and the grave because on the third day he walked out. So today we celebrate with a heart of thanksgiving, not because of a funeral, but because of a resurrection. Lord, have mercy. It says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your hearts, make your request known to God. Now, Paul, last week we took verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and we... I gave you three practical things that you could do in order to get rid of stress in your life. Three things, very simple things. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. The very first thing that you've got to do is pray it and say it. Somebody say, pray it and say it. If you were here last week, you, you remember these things. If you were not, go back. It's, you can look at it for free on our website. The second thing he said is, he says, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. The second thing you've got to do is not only, number one, pray it and say it, but then you have to, number two, say what you're thankful for. Then number three, he says, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. In other words, we have to broadcast our cares upon him, not them. You know how we're really good about telling everybody our problems. It doesn't say make your request known on Facebook so that everybody knows what you're going through on, on Instagram. All of that other stuff that you, you let everybody know what's going on in your life. All of that's okay, but that's not who makes your life better. That's not who gives to you breakthrough. Who gives to you breakthrough is the one who wants your cares. And that's why Peter said to cast all of your cares upon him. So, so the three things that I, we talked about last week is pray it and say it. Then number two was, was to say what you're thankful for. And then number three is to broadcast your cares upon him, not them. Three simple things. However, I don't know if, if you'll be transparent enough to agree with me today. But when anxiety comes your way, stress comes your way, worry comes your way, the thing that's hardest to do out of those three things is number two. Say what you're thankful for. Here is, here is Paul who wedges this thanksgiving thing right in the middle of all of this stress. Here is Paul who's in prison writing a letter to the church at Philippi because he's about to be executed. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. 
How many of you have been in a stressful situation and the first thing you do is want to be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, let me have another? It's so difficult with thanksgiving. It's so, so difficult. In fact, let me just, again, let me share this with you. I've shared this over the last few weeks, but just to remind you, get us all on the same sheet of music. Things that cause stress, being unhappy in your job. How many of you in here would say, oh, I love my job? Wow. We need to be praying for some new jobs. Amen, amen. Having a heavy workload, working long hours, working under dangerous conditions. Hold on a second, let me back up. I didn't even hear the staff say amen when I said how many of you love this? I'm going to just close up. We're going to go on home, I think. All right, let me go on, let me go on, let me go on, let me go on. How many of you love your jobs? And that might have been some of the staff. I don't know, but here we go. Here's something else that causes stress. The death of a loved one. Divorce, the loss of that job because you didn't say you liked your job. Um, <laughs> if I, I'm going to go back and watch the camera and see if any of the staff is laughing at that. Too. Just saying. Getting married, moving to a new home, chronic illness, emotional problems, depression, anxiety, anger, low self-esteem, taking care of an elderly or sick family member, some, some traumatic event such as a natural disaster. Hold on, here's some other stuff. That's all external things. You know, you watch the news and you're like, oh my goodness, man. How many of you just are just so excited about watching the news? Anyone in here? I didn't think so. Then there's some internal things like fear and uncertainty because you don't know about tomorrow. You don't know about this situation. You don't know how you're going to get out of this difficulty. You don't know which job to take. You don't know which road you should take. You don't know what choice, which decision you should make. Fear and uncertainty. Then there's attitudes and perceptions. You wonder what everybody else thinks about you and sometimes you worry about what you think about yourself so much so that you cannot remember who God created you to be and so now everything that you're worried about is dictating your steps and so the path that you're supposed to be on which is Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not upon your own understanding and in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight but your path is all like this because you're worried about you've got all of these let me move on let me move on. Unrealistic expectations. You place all of these things. Change, any major change, stressful, even a happy event. So all of these different things that happen that bring stress. Just bring stress. You know, when we're in those times, the rule of thumb is not like, Woo, Jesus, that's awesome. Thank you. I love you, Jesus. Might I have another? No, that's not. I mean, it's not. We're like, come on, Jesus. This is absurd, Jesus. They're getting on my nerves. Jesus. I don't like this job, obviously. Jesus. Jesus, you better get them because they're driving me crazy. These kids are getting on my nerves, Jesus. Jesus. You know, I'm just telling the truth. Can I teach for a minute? Because this is where God said, I want you to spend your time right here. Because people need to understand the spiritual breakthrough that happens when you have a heart of thanksgiving. You've got to understand the essence of the word that, that Paul uses when he says thanksgiving. It is the Greek compound word, eucharistia. 
Eucharistia. They'll put it up on there. I can't spell it. They'll put it up on the screen behind me. Eucharistia. Here's what's cool about this Greek compound word. This particular word is two words put together. The first Greek word is the word you. You. Here's what it means. This is where it gets good. It means to have a shift in your disposition. It means to have an overwhelming feeling towards something or someone. So Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with a shift in your disposition. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, shift. Look at your other neighbor and say, happens. Y'all always falling for that one. Lord, have mercy. Holy Spirit, come on back up in here. Okay, so there's a shift in your disposition. You think that's good? Let me show you something. It gets even better. The second part of this word is the word charis. The word charis is the word that grace is derived from. So let me give you the definition. I don't want to mess this up, so let me read it to you. When these two words are put together, it describes an outpouring of grace, wonderful feelings that freely flow from the heart in response to someone or something. It means to be excited. Mm. Hold on a second. Let me read this definition to you again. Here's what it says. It says, it describes an outpouring of grace and wonderful feelings that freely flow from the heart in response to someone or something. It means to be excited. Think about this word in the context of the verse, in the way that Paul used it. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, eucharistia, with excitement, with a heart of thanksgiving, openly flowing to God. What he is saying is, hold on a second. He's, he's saying to us this. He's saying that there is something inside of you. Scratch that. There is someone inside of you by the name of the Holy Spirit who will empower you when anxiety comes against you. When you begin to lift up his name, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think, ask, or imagine. So what Paul is saying is that if you are going to cry out to God and let him know what your need is, your cry out to God about your need should also be matched with your excitement about who he is and how thankful you are for all that he has done in your life. You've got to begin to thank God for his goodness. you got to begin to cry out to God for all that he's done. Do I have anybody in here who's got a purpose shut up inside of you and you want to cry out to God? Because when you cry out to God with a voice of thanksgiving, all of heaven will be released on your behalf. When you begin to lean into God with a heart of thanksgiving and you change your vocabulary and you're no longer talking about what's wrong, but now you're talking about what's right. There is something about a, pro- a heart of thanksgiving, a praise of thanksgiving that breaks the momentum of anxiety. That's why Paul says, if you want to break the momentum of anxiety in your life, have a heart of thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, lean in. Somebody say lean in. When you begin to lean into God with the heart of thanksgiving. 
I don't know who this is for, but some of you right now, you're in this place and you're like, I can't figure out anything to be thankful for. I don't know what to do. I don't know about this situation. Let me tell you something. Get into his word, lift up your head, begin to look into heaven and say, God, you've been good to me in the past. I'm only expecting you to do something even better now because God, I'm ready to receive. These people may be trying to make me think I'm crazy, but you didn't give me the spirit of crazy. You gave me the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So God, I praise you. Lord, have mercy somebody say amen Amen. somebody say lean in look at your neighbor and say lean in okay 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 can i get really practical with you for a moment this is where psalms 92 comes in Psalms 92 is a very practical psalm. When the psalmist says, in verse 1, he says, it is good. Put verse 1 up for me. Psalms 92, verse 1, it says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Hold on a second. He says, it is good. Somebody say good. This is a simple yet profound statement. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. He's telling us that giving thanks to the Lord is not only the right thing to do, it is a good thing to do. He says, give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Hold on a second. It's not just the right thing to do, it's a good thing to do. Hold on, isn't Paul telling us to have a heart of thanksgiving? Here is this psalm saying it's a good thing to give thanks to, to the Lord and Hold on. He's telling us that praise and worship, thanksgiving, a heart of thanksgiving, uh, an attitude of gratitude is something that connects with the heart of God. It's not a personal preference. Praise and worship is not a personal preference. Maybe you're like, well, I ain't going to worship today. They ain't doing my song. When they start doing my song, I'm going to start praising the Lord. But I ain't going to do it because it's too loud. The music way too loud. All these people, it's just too young. That music too young. I, I'm, I'm not going to. And when they do my song, that's when I'm going to praise. Well, let me tell you something. It's not your song. It's his song. That's why he's told us to praise him. Giving thanks to God is a good thing. Lord, have mercy. And then he tells us in verse 2. Watch this, verse 2. He says, To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Look, it's the book end of the day. It's how you get your day started. It's how you end. It says to declare your loving kindness every morning and your faithfulness every night. When was the last time that you woke up in the morning and you began to thank God for all the goodness that he's done? When was the last time? He's telling us when to do it. When was the last time that you went to bed at night and rather rather than fretting over your problems, you began to praise God over his faithfulness? Again, I don't know who this is for, but I feel the spirit leading me in this way. I don't, I don't know. Gra- grab a hold of this, but there's somebody, maybe a lot of somebodies in this place today. You're saying you don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, let me tell you something. That is just a lie from the very pits of hell. Because you woke up this morning, didn't you? Then say thank you. You're breathing God's air, aren't you? Then say thank you. You're able to come into this place and sit down in some padded chairs because people over the years gave so that you can sit in the padded chairs, listen to amplified sound, 
have an AC up in this place. You made it to church today without getting into an accident, didn't you? You got a job. It might not be the job that you want, but at least you have a job. You survived the epicenter's parking lot this morning, didn't you? Somebody out there, look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to thank God for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to thank God for you. You see, some of you need to hear this. Maybe you feel like you don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, you need to fake it until you make it. You need to begin to walk through life even though you feel like you're losing and realize that you're a winner. Good God Almighty. Somebody give him praise. Let me tell you something. I'm going to speak a blessing of thanksgiving over your life right now. I'm believing God is going to give you breakthrough, miracles in your household this year. I believe God's going to provide for you in a way that he never has. I'm going to go ahead and speak a a thanksgiving blessing over the provision for Hop in the Park because I know God's going to provide. I'm going to thank God for the miracles that are going to happen in our location in Panama. I'm going to give, listen, may God bless your lying down and your rising up. You're coming in and you're going out. May God bless you in the city and in the field. Somebody who wants to receive that blessing, give God praise. Somebody say, lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Know where I'm at. Where am I at? Hold on a second. I don't know. Here, what's the next verse? Ver, go to verse three. Go to verse four. Verse four. Verse four. Okay. Hold on a second. You got to grab this. No, before I do that, let me just give you something really practical. <laughs> and grab your worship guide and a pencil. If you need to steal one of those epicenter pens, y'all just go ahead and do it. Y'all do it all the time anyway. Just go ahead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We bought all those for y'all anyway. I'm just telling. Okay, so, so take that pen, and, and right now on your notes, or on your phone, if you got your phone in your hands, you know y'all do because I've been watching y'all. So t- 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 write down, here's what I want you to do. Write down what you're thankful for right now. Just write one thing down. I'm thankful for this. Write it down right now. If it's your kid, if it's your husband, if it's your, if, if it's your job, if it's your cat. No, 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 take that off. You can't, you can't thank the Lord for that. If it's... um. Um, just kidding. I know y'all don't send me no emails. Every time I say something about cats, I get emails. Um, something that you're thankful for. Amen. For the life that he gave us. feel led to do this. Can, can that camera follow me? Somebody give me a, a head shake like this right here. Yeah, we, you give me a head shake? I can't tell if you give me a head shake. Wave your arm if you like. Yeah, you can do it. Okay, so that camera's going to follow me. For the life that he gave us. Stand up. For the life that he gave us. I want you to tell everybody in there your name and your husband's name. My name is Carmen Markham, and my husband is Johnny Markham. What's wrong with Johnny? What does Johnny have? 
Jesus. I can't see. Can't see him. He's on dialysis. Keep playing. It's all right. We can hear you. And she just said for the life that God has given her. And we find ourselves complaining about much, much less. For the life that God has given her. She's giving praise to God with a heart of thanksgiving. Even with all that's going on around her. Give the Lord praise. Lord We could close down right there and go on home. Verse 4 says, For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. And here's the reason why we should have a heart of thanksgiving. The reason why it says, Because you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. The reason why we praise God with a heart of thanksgiving is, is because of all that he's done. But here's what's most important. You know how when you're stressed out and you've got anxi anxiety and you've got all these problems and all these difficulties, all you're thinking about is yourself. But when you begin to praise God with a heart of thanksgiving, there's a shift. And now your focus is no longer on you, but it's on him. Go to verse 10 just for the sake of time. I know, I know some of y'all Kentucky Fried Chicken, you got to get there, you know, because they might, they might run out of them biscuits and stuff, so. Hang on, go to verse 10. This is where it all comes together. Can I, can I give you this? Watch this. But my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. So here's what the psalmist is writing. The psalmist is writing that because he leaned in and he had a heart of thanksgiving, that God did verse 10. He says, but my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. A wild ox was the symbol of strength and vitality and passion during biblical days. But it's the second part of this verse. He says, and I have been anointed with fresh oil. Again, let me take you back to the biblical concept. This, this, this anointer in biblical days would anoint the subject, the person. Think about the hands of the anointer. He would pour oil into his hands. The person being anointed would lean forward. When he would lean forward, he would then open up his hands to be, to make sure that every drop would land on the person who's being anointed. Then he would say, you have been chosen. You have been empowered. God has chosen you. It was just symbolism. The oil was so fine. It, it was worth so much money that, that it was just used as symbolism that God is for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I need you to think about this. So when, when the person who's being anointed, when he leans in, all of a sudden the, the anointer opens up his hands. Hold on. You need to think about the anointer. The anointer is God himself opening up his hands, pouring out his anointing over your life because you had a heart of thanksgiving and you connected with his heart. Hold on, I'm not done. Because Darren, in Psalms chapter 23, many people think that David wrote Psalms 92. It's up, into, up in the air as to whether or not he did. But we know that he wrote Psalms 23. In Psalms 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside of quiet waters. He restoreth my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Then it gets really good, he says, and he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and he causes my cup to overflow. And because of that, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. So when God opens up his hands because my heart has connected with his through the heart of thanksgiving, I lean in and he empowers me. I lean in and he anoints me. I lean in and he blesses me. I lean in and he gives me peace. I lean in and he encourages me. Somebody lean in. Somebody lean in because God wants to bless you. Get up on your feet and begin to give God a radical praise up in this place. One more thing. Let me just read this to you. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. I hope you're grabbing this because God, when your heart connects with the heart of God through a heart of thanksgiving, do not be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving in your heart. That's when God pours his finest oil upon you. Something happens. Somebody said to me, Pastor Mark, are you saying that when we have a heart of thanksgiving, that's only going to cause God to do even more? No, here's what I'm saying. Thanksgiving for all that he has done prepares your heart for what he will do. Thanksgiving for all that he's done will prepare your heart for what he will do because he will anoint you with the perseverance to overcome and to outlast what is coming against you. Put, put, put Mark chapter 4, verse, there you go. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. So here's Jesus. Somebody say, say it again. Somebody say, lean in. Here's Jesus. The disciples are like really close to Jesus at this point in time. They're leaning in, trying to get this information from Jesus. And Jesus then says, verse 20, he says, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word and embrace it and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. If you want that kind of harvest, give them a thanksgiving praise right now. Come Every 